Ah, mmm. The first taste of rare bourbon you finally got your hands on. That's nice. At Caskers.com, we make this experience easy. Caskers is a one-stop spirit curator with an impressive selection of exclusive sought-after rare and household names in the realm of premium spirits and champagne. Discover the top flavors of the year now by going to Caskers.com and using code WELCOME10 for $10 off your first purchase. Get $10 off your first purchase with code WELCOME10 at Caskers.com. You're listening to the Bears Brothers podcast and postgame show, the place where Bears fans across the globe hang out online after every Bears game. Now get ready, because it's time to bear down. Welcome back, Bears fans, to another episode of the Bears Brothers Podcast, and welcome to our Bears-Jets postgame show. The final whistle just sounded, and our Bears beat the Jets 24-10 and get their first win after the bye week. And even though this wasn't a pretty win, it was a game in which it was maybe a little sloppy, a little boring at times, especially in the first half. It was uh, It's a win. A win's a win, and we can talk about this as we go through the episode. I'm Harold Soldowit, and to help me break down this game, I have two of my Bears brothers right here with me. I'm joined by Nicholas Moriano and Will Lingles. And as you can tell here, if you're watching on YouTube, uh, Nick decided to be festive for Halloween a little bit early here with his Spider-Man outfit or costume, I should say. Sorry, not an outfit. But guys, let's not just waste any time because I want to jump right into our opening drive and first quarter of our show. Let's go ahead and begin with this week's monster moment. And so for me this week, my monster moment is going to be that Anthony Miller touchdown because, you know, the Jets, they are top five in the NFL in terms of defense in the red zone and on third down. And this play was third and goal. It was a great pass by Trubisky, back shoulder. Miller had a great adjustment in the back of the end zone. And this extended the Bears' lead 14-3 to midway through the third quarter. And that two-score lead was really all we needed because, say, the Bears settle for a field goal there. And the Jets go ahead and get that next touchdown. It's a whole different game compared to what it was. So for me, that touchdown was a very pivotal moment in the game. And it's going to be my monster moment. And Brandon's not here for a stat of the game, but give me a few minutes. I'm going to dig one out. But let's go over to Spidey. Uh, Nick, do you have a knack or a knock? Definitely have to go with the knack with this Bears victory. And it's going to go with the Bears defense winning on first and second down. What you saw with the Jets offense, they had a lot of third and long situations, which is not a good situation for any quarterback, especially a rookie. So I'm going to have to give it to the Bears defense being able to win on first and second down, you know, getting those negative plays early and that set up for success later in the drives and defense to get off the field. So it has to go to the defense and how they played uh, just honestly overall, but especially on first and second down. All right. Over to Will Ingles here. Give us the lowdown. What's the specific reason why the Bears won this game? It's going to be stifling defense throughout the entire game. Uh, and, and this allowed that offense to kind of get moving. And this is something we talked about, especially in weeks two and three, uh, where Trubisky struggled definitely in the first half of that Seattle game and Arizona game. You know, this was supposed to kind of be the narrative the whole season is that this defense was really built to lead the team. And then Trubisky will be able to grow and develop underneath that. The last two weeks kind of changed that narrative with Trubisky lighting up the stat sheet, uh, really leading the offense to some points. But 
uh, don't be disappointed. Uh, it's, it's a victory. Might be ugly, but the Bears scored 24 points at the end of the day. And when Max back at full strength, uh, 24 points is going to be a lot to score on this defense. So stifling defense leads the way, and the offense catches up late. Good stuff there. And I'm gonna my side of the game is going to be about that stifling defense, and specifically, it's going to be about the Bears' run defense today because they held the Jets to under 60 yards as a team and 2.4 yards per carry. And one of my keys heading into this matchup was for the Bears to stop the run because Sam Darnold throughout this season, when the Jets found ways to be very effective with the ball on the ground, they end up having a decent passing game. And today the Bears, and that's what goes back to Nick's uh, knack as well, winning first and second down. So for me, uh, and if you take Sam Darnold out of the equation, he had 22 of the team's 57 rushing yards, uh, which means uh, the two backs, Isaiah Crowell and Trenton Cannon, had less than 40 combined themselves. So the Bears held running backs to less than 40 yards on the ground today, which I think is a big reason uh, why they were able to kind of keep the Jets, of course, from finding any sort of rhythm. And they really kind of been were able to pin their ears back and get after Darnold a little bit more than we saw in some previous weeks. But guys, I want to know, who's going to be the MVP today? Uh, I think there's a few really good choices. And let's go over to Will first. Who's going to be your MVP? Bryce Callahan's going to be my guy. Made a lot of great uh, uh, passes defended. I'm sure there will be three or four under that uh, list for him. Uh, just overall, flying around the field, a really secure tackler like he's been all season long. I don't think there's a whole lot of negative plays if we took every single play down and, and broke it down. I don't think there's many you could say Callahan did anything short of amazing. So he's my MVP today. Yeah, he had, a, uh, I think, three pass deflections on third down today. Uh, and, of course, that sack. So for him uh, showing up on the you know the downs that matter, third down, playing aggressive, getting those pass breakups, very impressive. He was on my list as well. But since you took him, I won't. But, Nick, I'm going to give you an opportunity here too. Uh, what do you got? You know, I was going to say Bryce Callahan as well. And a big thing why he was uh, my MVP is because when the Bears couldn't really manufacture their pass rush, you know, traditionally with their front four, the front seven, they brought Bryce Callahan just off the edge and he was able to do that as well. So he's just a guy that's really good at staying connected to the hip of whoever the receiver is, able to get those pass breakups, is a great tackler in space, is able to also generate pass rush when the Bears really need it. So Bryce Callahan, I have to agree with that. He is the MVP of this game. All right, that's some great analysis from Peter Parker there. And for me, <laughs> I'm going to go ahead and give it to Tariq Cohen. Over 140 total yards today, if you want to add in all three phases, on the ground, through the air, and on special teams. Granted, it gets uh, on special teams, it gets a little scary there when he's trying to touch a punt near the end of the game that – Apparently, he was trying to give every Bears fan a heart attack today. But for me, Peter, 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 poison, poison, poison. What are you doing? Exactly. And, you know, we have our own Peter right here today as well with Nick. But um, <laughs> no, three count. I mean, the big one, of course, is that 70 yard screen, which he didn't have to do a lot. But decided to just use his speed and, you know, then run north, just head straight for the end zone. But for me, uh, Tariq Cohen's impact today. Uh, was a big reason why the Bears were able to come away with the victory. Even though I do think down the stretch, uh, it can all come back down to Mitch as well for some of the things that he did in terms of orchestrating some drives. But I'll give it to Tariq Cohen today. All right, so that's going to do it for the first quarter of our postgame show. And before we enter that second quarter, talk about Mitch a little bit more and break down uh, some of the Bears' offenses, uh, what they were able to do today, I need to call a quick timeout and tell you about our show sponsor, SeatGeek. Football is back, and SeatGeek is the smartest, easiest way to get tickets to every game all season long. Whether you're searching for a last-minute deal, planning a night out, or need to find the perfect gift, SeatGeek helps you find the best seats at the best prices, fully guaranteed. There's something quite like being there in person, and SeatGeek will get you closer to the action for a great value. 
As you know, the Bears Brothers have the Seeky Gaps on our phones, our devices, by far the easiest way that we've been able to purchase tickets. I'm personally a big fan of how they make uh, searching for the best values so simple. All you have to do is sort by value, and instantly you're able to make sure the tickets that you're looking at are the most worth it. SeatGeek is designed to make your ticket buying experience easier than ever. By searching multiple ticket sites and grading every ticket based on the value, SeatGeek helps you immediately identify the best seats that fit your budget. And it doesn't just end with sports. SeatGeek has plenty of tickets to concerts, comedy, and theater too. And the best part of all this is that our listeners get $20 off their first SeatGeek purchase. Just download the SeatGeek app, enter the promo code BEARS today. That's promo code BEARS, B-E-A-R-S, for $20 off your first SeatGeek purchase. All righty. You're listening to the Bears Brothers Podcast. I'm your host, Will DeWitt, joined by my fellow Bears brothers, Nicholas Moriano and Will Ingles. And the three of us are breaking down this Bears 24-10 to victory over the New York Jets. And it's time for us to break down uh, the Bears offense today. And, Nick, I'm going to go to you first. Any opening thoughts? You know, at first, the offense uh, was, a, it was slow to be uh, critical of it because, again, this is a Jets defense that had a lot of people missing due to injury. But Mitch Trubisky was just missing throws in the beginning. And I thought the play calling as well was a little questionable. But you see what second-half adjustments can do for a team. And that's why I was just trying to tell Bears fans on Twitter, just give it a sec. Matt Nagy has shown that he can make some halftime adjustments at times. And that's exactly what the Bears did. Uh, offense did in this game against the Jets. So um, overall, I think they obviously they ended well, but they just need to have a, a faster start to when they start these games, especially offensively, because that can really put a team away like the Jets that was injured coming into this game. But overall, I'm, I'm happy what I saw from Mitch in that second half. What about you, Will? When you look at what the Bears offense was able to do today in terms of the entire game, what's perhaps your biggest you know takeaway from it? I would say this is the first game this season that the Bears have stuck with the run from first quarter to fourth quarter, and it paid dividends. Sometimes those first three quarters, it looks ugly, but it paid off in that fourth quarter. Jordan Howard broke up some big runs, and of course that big touchdown that really kind of sealed the game away. Yeah, that's It's something that we haven't seen this year. I mean, we've ran the ball at times, but this is the first time we have really dedicated ourselves to an interior run game throughout the entirety of a game, and, and it paid off today. Absolutely. For me, when I'm looking at this Bears offense, Nick, you mentioned it, uh, needing to start just a little bit faster. And I agree. Granted, though, they did score. Uh, they should have scored on the opening drive. Uh, that didn't work out with Cody Parkey. And then it didn't take them long to get that 70-yard field goal. But after that, things kind of soured for the rest of the first half. But luckily, um, what I did really take away from this offense is just another game where Matt Nagy and company go out there and make some really strong halftime adjustments. And the Bears were able to put up, of course, how many points in the second half? All right, so we scored 24 total. What was a seven? So that would be quick math. Uh, was 17 points in the second half? There we go. Math major over here. No, no, I wasn't. Communications. But, um, yeah, so for me, the Bears were able to uh, come away, make some adjustments, put some points up on the board, which uh, came crucial at the end of this game, especially with the Jets getting that touchdown here um, near the end of it as well. But we'll go ahead into uh, some player specifics here. Uh, Trubisky, let's go over to Will first, because early on, it seemed like we we're having another round of those accuracy issues, but then those started, got, uh, started to get cleaned up. What did you see? What was like the difference between the uh, end of the second first half, Mitch, to what we saw in the second half? A lot of footwork, I would say, is the difference. Uh, I don't think he had a very stable platform, got happy feet a few times. Uh, so unfortunately, a lot of times it seems that when Trubisky's mechanics are off, there's there's no salvaging uh, his, his throws at that point, which in the NFL, there's going to be situations where you have to throw off platform. 
I'd really like to see him develop that a little bit more, which is unfortunate because has his athleticism outside the pocket is so great. But if he's not able to kind of go in that, uh, you know, paint by numbers motion and throwing motion and making sure you have that platform, as I mentioned earlier, it kind of seems to fall apart for him. So that's something I really hope to see develop more as the season progresses. Additionally, uh, the Jets always send a lot of pressure, and that seemed to throw him off a few times in the first half as well. Uh, I'm not sure if the Jets uh, kind of stop blitzing a lot more in the second half, but at the very least, there is a lot more uh, quick passing game, a lot more utilizing the middle of the field, which I'm sure we'll talk about a little bit more as this conversation continues. But that helps Trubisky definitely change a little bit more in the second half, along with giving those mechanics uh, hunkered down a little bit more. Yeah, I mean, there's a huge difference. He was 5 of 13 in the first half, and based off my calculations here, he was 11 of 16 in the second half, so a much improved number, and he finished the day with 102.7 passer rating. Uh, But yeah, you mentioned it. With pressure in his face earlier on, uh, he was missing some throws, uh, obviously. It goes down to the mechanics. Um, He struggled with pressure throughout the majority of this season, Um, but I really loved how he responded after the Jets got that touchdown, right? He had a bunch of great throws, uh, excluding the touchdown to Miller. Um, the one also to um, Miller as well, where he gained 23 right over some linebackers. And, of course, he had that 16-yard scramble, which ended up being a very vital play on that drive. Nick, when I, over to you. What's perhaps uh, your biggest takeaway from Trubisky's game overall? You know, I think the decision-making overall was pretty good. He just missed on some throws early. We didn't have any of those throws where you're like, oh, no, why did you just throw that pass? It could be easily intercepted. We didn't have much of that today or or at all. So I just liked what he was able to do. When he was definitive with his decision, good things happened. Even on that one back shoulder throw to Anthony Miller for a touchdown, I think Mitch knew he was going there. He just had to put the ball on the money, which he did. And when at times when he ran, it's not just giving the ball to Howard on the read option. He's taking it himself because he's defensive in his decision. So I like the, what we saw from Trubisky in that aspect. And again, when you can ever you can limit those those questionable throws where it could go either way for the offense or defense, that's always going to be beneficial beneficial for the offense and Mitch Trubisky. Absolutely. And there's another big third down throw he had too to Kevin White. That was nullified with the Kyle Long penalty, but that was a big throw over the middle to a guy of uh, you know Kevin White who in the past. Two weeks now, he has three catches, which for someone like him, uh, A, to still be healthy, and B, to actually being part of the game plan. I know Allen Robinson is out, um, but getting some targets thrown his way, I'm sure is a good feeling for him and perhaps uh, something we'll need moving forward. But going back over to Will, and we can transition to targets if you want, but you're talking about what the Bears were able to do over the middle of the field. What was so effective today? Well, the middle of the field is where Trubisky's been effective throughout his entire career. Even go back to 2017, you know, the middle of the field is where he kind of made his money. Uh, and this year we haven't seen that a whole lot, except for last week with Trey Burton really kind of controlling that middle of the field. I'm confused as to why the Bears don't go over the middle of the field more often. I mentioned in the matchups podcast that came out on Friday that I understand for the first few weeks that Matt Nagy wanted to make sure that that wasn't a tendency that defenses were keying in on. He wanted to make sure that opposing defensive coordinators respected the whole field. So that's why you see a whole lot of outside zone with a guy like Tariq Cohen. That's why you're throwing those deep shots to Taylor Gabriel, even at at the beginning stages of the season, even if those are overthrown, you're still showing that it's a threat and it's a part of your offense. But now that you've gotten defensive coordinators to respect that, it's time to go back to what's working really well, and that's going right over the middle of the field. There was a third down play. I think the Bears took a shot on it. It's the one that they took a timeout on, I want to say. They take a shot downfield, and they had Joshua Bellamy wide open crossing the field, and he would have, if he would have thrown it in stride, he's not talking about first down. You're talking about 30, 40 yards if you get him in stride. There was no one around him. 
So when you go over the middle of the field, it was really successful, uh, but I don't know why they didn't do it more. And that's something I might have to go over film a little bit, but overall surprised by how little they utilized it, but when they did utilize it, it worked to great success. And over to Nick, I'm curious your thoughts on, all right, so the Bears' very first drive, uh, in the very first five plays, five different Bears touched the football. You have Trubisky and a scramble, uh, Tariq Cohen, Jordan Howard, Taylor Gabriel, Anthony Miller. And I think even though it wasn't to the same rate, um, this week we saw the Bears really spread the wealth and really not tailor to one guy except Jordan Howard near the end. Um, how did that kind of keep the Jets on their toes? Because I saw that, especially in, say, the third quarter, that's when it really started making an impact. Yeah, and I mean, that just helps with an offense because defense can't key in on one guy. And a guy that just makes life easy is Anthony Miller because he can line up, you know, in a lot of different positions. And when you have multiple guys, and even being without Allen Robinson, that just makes a defense have to play honest. Because, look, Joshua Bellamy was involved a lot more than I thought he was going to be involved, but he actually did make some good plays. And then Trey Burton wasn't involved very much, but then you make that up with an Anthony Miller. So all these guys contributing and being able to spread the wealth, like you mentioned, Will, is great for an offense. And I'm glad the Bears don't have to have a number one. Essentially, I know Allen Robinson fits that role, but he doesn't have to be because you can spread the wealth, keep a defense honest. That's just going to make an offense harder to guard overall. Absolutely. All right, let's look at some of these targets here today. I mean, of course, Tariq Cohen leads in terms of yards with that one catch for 70 yards in the score. Um, but Taylor Gabriel, he got a little bit more on track today. Four catches off six targets for 52 yards. Uh, Will, I want to go over to you first. In terms of how the players were utilized and, who's, and I want to know uh, who stood out to you. Uh, definitely going to be Anthony Miller here. Last week he had seven targets, but that's when Trubisky threw back to throw 50 times. You know, he only drops back 29 times today, only slings the ball 29 times. Seven of those still go to Anthony Miller. He's developing a role in this offense. We saw early on in the season that he was starting to get more targets each and every week. Then he went down for a little bit with that shoulder, but now that he's back, it's really seeming like he's carving out a role in this offense. And I'm all for it here because he's shown what he can do as far as route running. Uh, even now that we're not in training camp and preseason, he still carried that over to the regular season. You want him to see him be a little bit more aggressive and kind of those 50-50 balls. A lot of that happened last week. But uh, to this point, and especially in this contest, he really showed out today. He made those targets count and uh, very productive for the most part, especially on that, like you mentioned, that back shoulder touchdown. That is something that you hope those two young players, Trubisky and Miller, kind of develop for a long time. Yeah, and uh, early on in this game, it was another instance in which Trubisky and Miller had a hard time getting on the same page, but after the second half, once he made those adjustments, it's another area in which the Bears were able to improve and self-reflect and make the appropriate you know, decisions to put themselves in a better position. So yeah, Miller with those three catches, um, and that touchdown was huge, and he did too. He had a really good game, and I'm, I'm surprised how effective he is with that shoulder because with it being unstable, with it, it looks like he has like a little bit of harness on when you look at his shoulder pads mm-hmm. as well. It's it's very difficult to use your uh, entire wingspan and all that as well. So for, for Miller, a rookie, to go out there and still be impactful, to me, it's a great sign for things to come from him. But what about you, Nick? What's your take here? You know, I was, uh, I'll was i take this a little different route. I was just surprised that Trey Burton wasn't as utilized as much in this game, especially with Allen Robinson being out. And we know the Jets were going to like to blitz Mitch Trubisky in this game. They've been doing it all season, just bringing the blitz from, you know, a bunch of different safeties, bringing Jamal Adams down. I thought Trey Burton would have been more utilized than he was in this one. Um, but still, it goes to spreading the wealth. And I think Anthony Miller, the reason, I'm mean, obviously they've 
had that misconnect Miller and Trubisky, but he honestly, Miller just makes Trubisky's job a lot easier. A lot of these, he's wide open and Trubisky's just missing it. Moving forward, obviously we're seeing that connection that from the first half, second half get a little bit better, but I think Miller is just going to make life easy for Mitch Trubisky. And so going further into the season, I, I could see Trubisky hitting and connecting a lot more to Anthony Miller as the season progresses. Yeah, Trey Burton, uh, they use him on a shovel. They use him on that tight end misdirection screen. Um, and then he had the one catch over the middle today. So that was about all we saw from Trey. Uh, Will, I want to go to you. In terms of what you saw for, uh, schematically from the Bears and how they're trying to push the ball downfield, uh, were you a fan of this game plan or uh, a little bit hit and miss? Uh, definitely more on the hit and miss end. Uh, I understand why you got to keep teams honest by going deep, but there comes a point where it's obviously the deep ball is not working today. The wind conditions obviously made that tough, and that doesn't mean that you're you're absolved of any responsibility of throwing the ball, but perhaps maybe the 50-yard bomb downfield isn't exactly your best option at that point because you're almost having to play the win that point as a quarterback, and that you never want to be playing the win, kicking, you know, throwing. That's never something you want to do. So keep the, keep the passing game short, and like I said, middle of the field was wide open pretty much all day, and when you blitz, you're mostly going to be in man coverage, which means it's much harder when you have those crossing routes to cover for an extended period of time. So... When it comes to that, I don't understand why the Bears didn't utilize the middle of the field more, especially opting for those longer shots that are going to be a much lower percentage in this weather and any time for that matter, even in man coverage. You know, it's what goes into completing a long ball. It takes a lot, and especially in those conditions, as I mentioned before. So when it comes to that, I really disagree with the game plan. However, like I mentioned to start off the offensive segment, keeping with the ground game for an entire 60 minutes, very important, very good to see. Hopefully there's some more success between quarters one and three, but you you set that up so you can win the game later on. You've made sure that you put those miles on the defense throughout the game, and then it pays off when you really need it come crunch time because that was still a game in the fourth quarter, but they were able to salt the clock away and also come away with some points uh, with keeping the ball on the ground. So that was important, and I like that. But passing game, there are some concepts that were very strange to me. Mm-hmm. Uh, but let's go ahead and transition to the running game because you talked about it, and uh, the Bears today, they showed some great balance. They had 34 rushing attempts to the 29 passes, which I want to go back. I don't know how many times we had more rushing attempts than passes this season, but I don't think it's a lot. And this could, in fact, be uh, the first time this year. But Jordan Howard, 22 carries, 81 yards. Uh, he had the long of a 24, which is a big play down the stretch. And, of course, that touchdown. But the Bears now do improve to 10-2 and two when Jordan Howard has at least 20 carries. Um, so, Nick, I want to know. It took him a little while to get going, Howard, but – Near the end of the game, I wonder, what happened? Did the Bears' offense finally start wearing down the Jets' defense? How was Jordan Howard able to finally get – I don't think he's fully you know, back yet, but this is the most effective we've seen him this year. Yeah, I think it's a mixture of just the defense being weared down, but there was some really good blocking that was happening later in the game. You see that pull from Charles Leno from his left tackle spot coming all the way around and springing that hole for Jordan Howard, which I think was a 24-yard gain that you mm-hmm. were just it was a great uh, talked about. It was a great play. So there's just – blocking that was happening that wasn't happening earlier in the game and earlier this season that allowed Jordan Howard to really just get going, you know, always falling forward at what she does so well, just gain those extra yardage. But that's what, that's what the bears need to consistently do. It might be a little tough now with the, the injury that we saw Kyle long have, he couldn't, you know, walk off the field on his own, but overall you just saw better blocking schematically, just with concepts for Tariq Cohen and Jordan Howard. So it really worked well, and hopefully the Bears can sustain that success moving forward. 
Yeah, uh, we'll talk about those, that injury here in just a little bit. But no, Jordan Howard, I really liked um, on that the drive in which he had the touchdown was he had that big 24-yarder that got the Bears inside the 10, and the next two plays went right back to Jordan. Another run followed by a third run in a row, which uh, was, again, uh, and he did it quickly too, so didn't really allow the Jets to sub, make some substitutions, get some different personnel on the field, which I thought was a very vital part of that drive uh, by Coach Nagy, one of my favorite decisions he made this game, um, because in the past you see him kind of you know change it out, get some more receivers out there, get a little cute in terms of maybe that misdirection, tight end screen again, you know something plays like that, but this time he kept it simple and just pounded it with Howard twice more up the middle, and we, we ended up finding pay dirt. So for me, sticking to the run down the stretch uh, was huge in this game. What about you, Will? Anything else you want to mention about the Bears' uh, ground game today? Additionally, when you go that up-tempo, I also want to throw in that it's much harder for the Jets to bring pressure and communicate that in, make sure everyone's on the same page. So if anything, that makes that blocking scheme a little bit more predictable. Uh, Nick mentioned how blocking improved in the second half, and I wholeheartedly agree. Uh, The Jets brought a lot of A-gap and B-gap pressure, making sure that it was harder for Jordan Howard to beat them. I think they wanted to go in this game. They knew what the conditions were. They knew that both uh, quarterbacks were going to have a harder time throwing the ball. They wanted to make sure Mitchell Trubisky beat them early on. But still, they stayed committed to the run game, and that paid off later on, uh, even though you still want to be able to convert uh, runs of at least keeping on schedule early on in the game. But uh, it's tough. It's still tough to uh, block, especially when they're bringing more guys than you can conceivably block with your offensive line. I do think that at least giving uh, Nagy some credit here, uh, when he knew they were going to send a full-out blitz, or at least when they were a tendency that they were going to send a full-out blitz, which they straight ran engage eight out of Madden. They ran a screen pass to uh, they ran a screen pass to Tariq Cohen, and uh, to bring my reference back from last week, he could have ate his sandwich on the way to the end zone and score, just as long as he kept at least you know the the turtle speed on his uh, his segue or whatever. But <laughs> but overall. Uh, Rushing game, uh, like you mentioned, that up-tempo, very important for making sure that uh, no blitzes can come in and that really paid dividends in the second half. I do want to add one thing here, Will. I mentioned it uh, on the preview podcast, Well, and you asked the question about red zone calling. What do we want to see? Well, in the red zone, the Bears are actually, you know, running the football, which just keeps, again, like we've been talking about, the defense on it. So that's why we saw the disparity of the run and pass plays being pretty close in this game. So I think that also helps when not knowing for a defense, well, what is actually going to come at us? Is it going to be a run play or is it going to be a pass? And then throughout the game, the Bears kept it pretty consistently where they're mixing up between the both. Yeah, absolutely. And the Bears ended up with 180 rushing yards today, which is a very great, obviously it's a great number, but when you compare it to uh, the 220 you know, passing yards, it just shows the balance that this offense had today, which is a big reason why they were able to uh, be successful, especially in the red zone where the Jets, they were the fifth best red zone defense, only allowing opponents to score on 43% of red zone drives. I'm pretty sure the Bears finished three or four down there today, which is 75%, which is way above the average in which the Jets give up. But moving over to offensive line, we have two big talking points here we need to hit on. And I always like to start off with some good news. So, Nick, this means it's going to be your turn. Uh, what was your take from your boy, uh, James Daniels, of uh, first career start? You know, I, I liked what I saw from him. I thought that, you know, overall it didn't seem like he was over. Um, it was just too much for him to handle. Um, big point, I mean, he was able to create some holes. I think the offensive line did overall a better job of, like I said, just creating lanes for these running backs to move. Uh, Trubisky wasn't really under too much pressure today. And I think, you know, it, 
a big part of that is James Daniels, just the athletic ability he's able to bring and what he's able to do getting to the second level. So overall, I'm, I'm pleased with James Daniels. Obviously, there's things uh, I know I saw him on his back, one of the plays. I've, I forget where, where it exactly happened. So there's going to be some hiccups along the way, but I'm glad what I, what I saw from him in his first career start. And then I think we can go – or not unless you guys want to talk more about James Daniels because we definitely can. But James I know the other, Daniels. Yes, yeah. great player. First career but, start. Yeah, exactly. But the big issue, and I mentioned it earlier, is that Kyle Long injury. Yeah, uh, the big issue. Kyle Long going down uh, when this game was pretty much out of reach. Uh, the Bears are just trying to, you know, wind the clock down, and he got rolled up on by Dn Sims. Yes, Dn Sims. He is he isn't good for much, and apparently that just makes it just a little bit worse. But of course, uh, those things happen in football. It's not Dn's fault by any means. Uh, just a little bit of fun there, uh, trying to make this mood a little bit higher. Because when you think about it, losing Kyle Long when he got his ankle rolled up on, was unable to put any weight on it, it really makes you uh, fear a long term injury to. A very important aspect of this offensive line. So, Will, say we're out without Kyle Long. I know Eric Cush can slide on over, which is a big reason why he's here. Uh, how valuable he is as that uh, swing interior offensive lineman. But what kind of impact is this going to have? What I really worry about is keeping that balance that we saw today because I came up with this a few weeks ago. Uh, it was the Miami game that the splits between Eric Cush being in and James Daniels being in was there was a huge disparity when Eric Cush was in that the Bears would favor passing, whereas James Daniels is in, they were pretty 50-50. The New England Patriots game is a little bit different because they're playing for behind most of the game. And as I mentioned before, 50 passes kind of skews those numbers a little bit. But maybe I'm looking too far into this, but James Daniels is in the whole game today, almost uh, you know a 50-50 offense as far as keeping with the run and the pass. So with Eric Cush coming in, I'm I'm curious if – they don't believe in Eric Kush's ability to, to run block. Uh, that might be, like I said, looking into something too much, especially when they're able to split snaps between the two being Daniels and Kush, that there was kind of that tendency starting to arise. But I'm curious how that balance is going to turn out as we develop throughout the year. And of course, the biggest concern for me is that leadership overall, because Kyle Long sets the tone on that front five. And, and they have a little bit of nasty to them, which, which is something you love to see from the hogs up front. You know, if anyone is ever touching Trubisky after the play, there's about three or four large men saying that you probably shouldn't do that anymore, uh, which, which is something you love to see from, from that front five. And that's a great group mentality, great team mentality. That's something that you have to hope someone is going to rise to the challenge and rise to the occasion and kind of be that emotional leader up front for the Bears going forward. Hopefully – it's not a long-term injury, but like Will said, not looking that way as of this point. Well, just an update real quick. Coach Nagy doesn't think that he re-injured that ankle, and they're calling it a foot injury, which is a little bit different. We'll see exactly how it all pans out here in the coming days. And one more update on Twitter, too. Taylor Gabriel just tweeted. I mean, he says, sorry, fantasy fans. It started to rain pretty hard, but who cares? That's a dub. Love that win. So, <laughs> hey. He doesn't care about the fantasy numbers. He doesn't care if he's putting up all the points or the yards. He just cares that the team wins, which is the exact mindset that we want these players to have. Uh, Nick, did you want to add anything about Kyle Long? Or, You know, I will say this, that one penalty they did have, uh, that's obviously we talk about that leadership, that mentality that he plays with, but that there's no reason to have that. Um, obviously, that was a big play to Kevin White that got nullified because of that penalty. And... You know, Kyle Long, he plays he plays with his emotions on his chest for sure. But that's one where you don't want to see that happen, regardless if it's Kyle Long or anybody. Even Eddie Jackson, apparently, then we'll probably talk that, about that later. But 
you don't want to see that moving forward, but the bears are still going to miss Kyle long. Um, especially if he has to miss a significant time. Do you guys hear the wind at my place? No. Oh, that's good. I'm glad that the mic doesn't pick <laughs> it up because it feels like the house is about to implode. So if you hear it crashing and it all goes black, please call some emergency people for me. I got you. I'll, I'll come over there. I mean, clearly I'm in this right attire right now. So you are just swing good. your way down to Bloomington, <laughs> exactly. Indiana, Nick. Just, I got you. There we go. Um, so and in the meantime, I'll talk Bears football while they figure that out. So <laughs> we got you covered. Uh, that's funny. All right, guys, any final thoughts about the offense today? Uh, let's go to Will first. Uh, like we mentioned before, slow start, but this, I mentioned this after the Patriots game, you know, in a game that they overall played so poorly that they stayed in it that long. I think that this is probably one of the worst offensive performances of the year, probably second worst uh, in front of the Arizona game in my estimation. And they still put up 24 points. Uh, I think that speaks a lot as to what this team can do. Uh, and going forward, I think they will continue to stack and develop as they move forward. I think they tried a few different things. I think they wanted to kind of develop that run game a little bit more. Hopefully they take that confidence moving forward, and this becomes more of a a dual-threat offense as we move forward and not kind of just that big play uh, through the air. Yeah, that would be the the best-case scenario for this offense because if we want to have long-term success this season, that's exactly what the Bears need to do. So good point, Will. What about you, Nick? Overall, I like what I'm seeing from the offense, especially since the running game got going in today's victory over the Jets. Uh, you do definitely want to see Trubisky just start off a little bit better, show the, you know, starts with his footwork, starts with his mechanics. But seeing how he was able to bounce back, Matt Nagy was able to bounce back, the offense in general is great to see. We're making those halftime adjustments, but again, just a faster start. And again, they did this without Allen Robinson, too, one of their top weapons. So that should be encouraging for Bears fans moving forward. Yeah, and I just want to kind of re-emphasize just how crucial it is to make those adjustments and find ways to overcome mistakes. Because after the Bears had that first half touchdown, that screen pass to Cohen, um, in the first half, they ended it with three straight punts, uh, 27 yards, zero yards, another drive of 16 yards. Ended the, uh, they entered the third quarter, very first drive, ended up going with another punt, only five plays, 27 yards. But from that point on, they regrouped, and in the next three possessions, they found points with a touchdown, that field goal and followed it up with another touchdown answering the jets as well. So for me, uh, just for them to find a way to put it all together in the second half, when things got a little bit close, um, is all we need. Again, this was an inferior opponent and we were at home and it's a game. The Bears should have won and they did. And then in the end result, even though the offense wasn't putting up 500 total yards and 50 plus points or 40 plus points, uh, 24 to 10 is still an honorable victory in the NFL, no matter who your opponent is. So for me, uh, the offense did what they had to do today. Uh, some weeks is going to have to play better, but I don't think next week versus the Bills we're going to need to do so much more. But that's we're getting ahead of ourselves. <laughs> All right, so up next we're going to go ahead and enter the third quarter of our show and break down the Bears' defense that, again, only held the New York Jets 10 points today. But real quick, I want to go ahead and let you know that at any point throughout this show, anytime throughout this weekend, if you have any questions about the Bears, make sure to give us a call for our audio mailbag episode uh, to get your voice heard on our podcast. So our number to call in is 872-240-4007. And again, I encourage you to add us to your contacts. That way, if you have a question anytime throughout the week, you can easily pick up your phone, a couple buttons, leave your voicemail. But again, 872 872- 240-4007. Leave us a, a voicemail with your Bears question, and we will answer it later on in the week on the podcast. All right, guys, so now we're in the third quarter of our show and breaking down this Bears defense. And, Will, I want to go to you first. How are they able to stop 
uh, you know, the Jets offense, which again, the Jets offense had a bunch of injuries at some key positions. Was that it? Or did the Bears defense kind of right the ship a little bit this week? Well, no matter what, no matter who you're facing in the NFL, A, you're facing an NFL offense. So no matter what, there are some things you have to do. The first thing the Bears did is they made the Jets one-dimensional, which they did from the get-go. Like you said earlier, the, the Jets were averaging two, two-ish yards a carry, mm-hmm. which, you know, you take away that part of the game. Then you make them rely solely on the pass. And in the case for the New York Jets, they are starting a rookie quarterback, which I'll be honest, I thought Sam Darnold, for what he had around him, played a pretty darn good game. I mean, he took care of the ball. His mechanics looked really sound. He just didn't have anyone getting open for him for the most part. Uh, but like I mentioned, you put them in that pass game. They had their three top wide receivers out uh, from numbers perspective on the year. And that's where you just start to take advantage. And they were razor tight on coverage. We mentioned Bryce Callahan already to this point in the show. He was my MVP for a reason. And that's because they had razor tight coverage for the vast majority of this game. I like that Vic Fangio kind of flipped to a little bit more man, brought a little bit more pressure throughout the day. I think the bears just played better man coverage overall than zone personally. And it's tougher for, it's more recognizable for a rookie quarterback, but at the same time, when you have lower level receivers, it's harder for them to get off the ball and uh, create a good throw or a good throwing lane for Darnold to get into. So overall really like the game plan by Fangio. It might've been an inferior opponent, but overall, they, they played the way they needed to to win this game and get, like I said, offense started out slow. They provided them every opportunity, provided them with some short fields. No takeaways, but short fields helped get the offense started. They did everything they needed to do today. Pretty impressed overall. Yeah, I'm impressed as well. There were, at my count, six or seven drives in which the Jets turned the ball over either via a punt or oh, I'm trying to see here. Yeah, 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 sorry. That they forced a three and outs. So we had six three and outs here in uh, this game, which – it's a great number to have, of course. When you do that, you're limiting what the offense can do on the field. You're getting off um, on third downs, which uh, kind of goes back to Bryce Callahan. We'll talk about him here in a bit. But, Nick, over to you. Uh, when you're looking at this Bears defense, what's the difference between what the defense we saw this week compared to the last two? I think it's just winning in the trenches. I know Brandon would agree with me having watched this game. The Bears, were, like Will said, were not able to get their running game going, made them one-dimensional, and that all starts with the defensive linemen, the linebackers, the outside linebackers, just winning up front, you know, containing, filling their gaps, making sure none of these running backs got going. And that's really the difference because once that happens, you put Sam Darnold in situations that you don't want to be in, like I alluded to earlier. There's a lot of third and long situations. And Darnold, he, yes, I thought he did play a pretty good game. He didn't give you know that defense opportunities to like create turnovers, except there was one with Eddie Jackson that could have been picked off. He uh, just slipped in and almost uh, took that pass back to the house. But, again, he played an all right game. It's just the Bears were just dominating up front, which didn't allow the Jets to really do anything offensively. Yeah, no doubt. Uh, let's, let's go ahead and jump right into the you know the positional breakdown here, and looking at the defensive line, something that I noticed um, is that the between the defensive line and the outside linebackers today, in order to find a way to generate some more pass rush, uh, they're using a lot of stunts. And Will, I know you play, of course, linebacker here in college. So, uh, what did you see in terms of what they were trying to do there? Because I noted heading into the preview show that watching the Jets offensive line, they do get confused when you throw some stunts at them. How are they able to utilize that today? So essentially when you're throwing stunts into the mix, uh, after a while, especially with the way that Fangio likes to play defense, it can get predictable at times and it allows uh, the offensive line to communicate, uh, especially when stuff starts flying at a hundred miles an hour. 
you know, it's helpful to know or at least anticipate where the defensive line is going to go, which way they are going to slant, which gap they're going to hold and maintain. However, when you start having guys twist around, you're sending either Roquan Smith or Danny Trevathan in as an extra rusher or an extra gap player, kind of more on kind of a run blitz type of thing. That makes it harder for them to predict and project where people are going to be, which if you have a power play that reaches to the outside, it makes it really hard to maintain that gap integrity as far as the offense is concerned and making sure all those guys are plugged up and getting driven back on the line of scrimmage. Uh, It makes that more difficult for them. And then additionally, like you mentioned in the past game, it's all about making sure that you're creating favorable one-on-one matchups. You're making them stay disciplined with their eyes and their technique as well. Sometimes, uh, especially for a tackle, if your end dips inside or whoever your outside rusher is dips inside, sometimes you'll shrink with them too much. And the guy who's running around outside, especially a guy like Rory Robertson Harris, a guy who has a little bit more speed to him, it's already too late by the time he's bending that edge to recover and make sure you regain that technique and that position on him. So I really liked what Fangio did with that. That's something I was pretty critical of against the new, uh, in the New England Patriots game. There was almost no creativity on the pass rush whatsoever. And when he did bring six, it was very successful. They had a sack and they had the interception that Kyle Fuller had late in that game. So it's beneficial when you're bringing pressure. It's beneficial when you're changing things up. Happy to see that Fangio kind of made those adjustments after watching his defense more or less get humiliated the last two weeks. Absolutely. And looking at some of these players here, I was very impressed um, in the first half with Eddie Goldman. He had those four tackles, two of which were solo. He was doing a great job, uh, you know, fighting at the point of attack, shedding his blocks, getting, you know, even lateral downfield into in order to make some of these plays on these ball carriers. So for me, um, Eddie Goldman, I know he was going up against a backup center today and he took advantage of that matchup. So I'm going to give him some props here over to Nick. Uh, what player do you want to bring up? Uh, we'll players. talk about Akeem Hicks. Yeah, I thought Akeem Hicks was just dominant up front again. And it started on that very first defensive drive. I think he just gets in the backfields and then gets up and immediately is pumped up. And that's when I knew right there. Usually Akeem Hicks is like that. But when he's able to do that right from the get-go, you know it's going to be a pretty good game from Akeem Hicks. And then in terms just going back to those stunts, I liked what I saw from Leonard Floyd and what Vic Fangio was able to do with creativity-wise. He had him right lined up right over the center at one point. He ran a stun with Akeem Hicks, comes around, and that was almost an opportunity for Floyd to finally get that first sack. He got close, still obviously didn't get there, but I like that kind of ass. I want to see more of that from Vic Fangio in terms of creativity because obviously the pass rush still is struggling to get to the quarterback, but in terms of mixing things up, that's something that I would like to see Vic Fangio just utilize, putting players in different positions and seeing how that confuses, confuses an offensive line. You know, responsibilities are obviously going to be the same, but seeing different players in different positions can definitely throw uh, opposing teams off. Yeah, you know there's an issue with the pass rush still when you're looking at the box score, and you got the one sack, which comes from your nickel corner, Bryce Callahan. And then for the entire game, you have two quarterback hits. Like, of course, we'll have to wait a little bit to see where the how many pressures were actually genera- generated, which by my count, there's at least, you know, a handful. Um, but it's still not to the degree where it was in the first four weeks of the season. Um, but going over to Will here, uh, two more guys real quickly, Roy Robertson Harris and Bilal Nichols. What did you see out of them today? Because I thought Nichols played very well. And then Roy Robertson Harris, um, even though he wasn't crazy impactful, he had a tackle for a loss. And this might have been one of his better games of the year as well. 
Yeah, absolutely. And it's important to mention whenever you're talking about the D line, that tackles at the end of the day aren't exactly the statistic you need to look at. A lot of their stuff comes uh, not in the stat sheet, uh, especially in a 3-4. I've mentioned before, that's why a guy like Eddie Goldman is so valuable. He doesn't usually show up on the stat sheet because he's absorbing a double team, making sure the linebackers are able to make plays. I thought those two guys played a really good game. Like I mentioned, to stop the run, it's really you're front guys are going to have to be darn near impeccable. And they were to start the game. Nichols has continued to be aggressive and just a force up front. It's been really fun to watch a young guy like that. Uh, an underdog story per se, late round draft pick. Not a lot of people expected him to do a whole lot coming in, but he's broken the rotation for the most part. I mean, Jonathan Bullard's not seeing the field much anymore. And I think that's because Nichols has earned his way up there. Roy Robertson Harris as well has had a great motor to this point. Great hustle. Uh, I, don't I don't love his uh, at times lack of pass rush moves. He kind of plays raw, but at times that's just enough on the defensive line, and that proved again to be true. One other thing about uh, being able to employ stunts, uh, it's so important to make sure you can stop the run game early on because running stunts against the run can a lot of times result in disaster. So that's a big part of them uh, being able to stop the run early on because when you when you're calling stunts into uh, into a run play. A lot of times you're moving laterally as a defensive lineman, and when that happens, it's really easy to get pushed downfield and create a lot of those holes, not only uh, horizontally for the offensive line, but vertically too, which makes a lot of gaps uh, available for running back to cut back or uh, slice through, which makes your job as a linebacker very difficult. So hats off, like I said, all around. Great job by the defensive line and also Fangio making sure that he had the run under control before he started mixing in those stunts. Nick, you already mentioned Leonard Floyd. Any other outside linebackers you want to mention? I mean, we were without Cleo Mack today, but of course that wasn't much of an issue in this game, uh, which I'm glad they gave him some rest and we're still able to come away with a, a victory like this. Um, but they did have Isaiah Irving and Kylie Fitz out there sometimes getting some action, which has been very you know, sparse, uh, to say the least, for them so far this season. Uh, but anything else you want to mention about the outside guys? Yeah, I thought Aaron Lynch played a pretty good game. He was able to just contain his side, seal the edge, not allow anything to get outside of him, was in on a couple of those pressures that I assume would come up on the stat sheet. But yeah, I liked how Aaron Lynch stepped up to the plate because I was really I really wanted to key in on Leonard Floyd this game just to see how does he, you know, come out with Khalil Mack out. He's gonna be the guy that the Bears are gonna want to rely on to get this pressure. And honestly, I don't think he he did the best job at that. I just see him at times when if he's not getting off and getting past the tackle with his speed, he's just getting stonewalled, stonewalled by the tackle. And we want to see those, you know, diverse moves in his, his repertoire, which I know he has. I know he put a spin move on one of the tackles that, again, didn't get home at, at the quarterback. But still, we need to see more of Leonard Floyd. And I thought overall Aaron Lynch had a better game just being able to contain inside. So Leonard Floyd, we're still looking for that guy to step up and be the first-round draft pick that the Bears moved up to get two years ago now. Yeah, and a big reason why the Bears were able to stop the run today, um, when you look at the entire front seven, was the play of these inside linebackers as well, Roquan Smith, Danny Trevathan. And there's a few times where you just saw Trevathan just firing, you know, closing the gap, bursting right through it, making a play on the ball. Um, which I really like to see. And then Roquan Smith, uh, he had two plays that I noted that stood out the most. Uh, one was good, um, and one was just confusing. And I'll start with the confusing one. Early in the game, um, it was the Jets' third drive. He got in the backfield, and he was standing right in front of Sam Darnold and pretty much just stopped in his tracks. 
and then Darnold ran right around him. I don't know why he stopped. I don't know why he didn't take down the quarterback. Maybe he's confusing the roles and thought all you had to do is like look at him, and now that counts as a sack. Um, but I, still, I think I don't think it ended up for any gain um, at that play, and if it was, it was small, but just a little bit confused. And then in the other one in the second half, he had that great play where he was able to close on the ball with his speed and make a great open field tackle, which that's the sort of play that is a great indicator of why the Bears drafted Roquan Smith to make those sorts of plays. Uh, but what about you, Will? When you're looking at you know Danny Trevathan, Roquan Smith, what were some of the, your observations? They definitely flew around today. Uh, last week, I thought they played atrocious, for lack of a better word. Uh, I thought they were slow to their reads. I thought they let uh, offensive linemen get on them because partially because they were slow to the reads, not taking positive steps towards where their gap is or where it's going to be, depending on how a play is developing. I thought they played better today. I still think there are some things they can clean up. I'm going to have to check the film a little bit on that. Um, I think the defensive line played very well today, and I think that to some extent actually uh, kind of covered up how the inside backers played to an extent. I still think they played all right but I'd probably say the defensive line gets an A grade and I'd say the backers get more of a B minus today, at least in my opinion, uh, between Trevathan and Roquan. I still think they're a little slow sometimes. Uh, I, and Trevathan shot through a few more run through gaps today uh, than especially against the Patriots. But I, I, overall, I'd like to see them be a bit more efficient and aggressive in their footwork as well. All right. Going over to Nick, um, unless you have anything you want to add about the linebackers, do you want to just jump right into the secondary? Let's do it. All right, so Nick, when you're looking at the Bears' secondary today, uh, they did a really good job of containing these receivers. But I'm curious to your thoughts here. Was it more of them sticking to their coverage and you know playing well, or was it just the huge talent gap between these Bears, you know, corners and safeties, and the Jets playing you know backup wide receivers this week? I think it was a little bit of both, to be completely honest. Um, anytime you can go up against an offensive unit that doesn't quite have the star power or just a talent at wide receiver that's going to help you as a secondary I mean that's just uh you know common sense there but in terms of how they played coverage I thought the Bears were pretty sound in it the only one big play when you really think about it is that one to Kyle Fuller where he just missed time to jump he mistimed it um and, ter- and then if you take that away I thought the Bears as a whole just played really sound were on top of their guys were able to you know contest and just make it difficult it's not like there were easy catches out there there's a couple slants that went for first downs but overall I thought the secondary did a sound job in covering their guys playing to their assignments and you know just playing fast okay real quick I'm gonna get to Will about his thoughts in the secondary but uh, this quote from Mitch from the postgame pressers, it's priceless. By the way, he wore the Mike Ditka costume that was uh, awesome. in the postgame right now. I mean, the presser, so he's still wearing it after the game. Um, and then he said, and I quote, I wouldn't call it a costume. I'd say I dressed as a legend. Oh, wow. Yeah. I like, like it. it. I like it a lot. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, getting back on track, secondary. Well, I'm going to go over to you, and I'm going to give you a specific one here because your game-breaker matchup was Adrian Amos versus Isaiah Crowell. How did that pan out? I thought he came down and played him really well. Like I mentioned, overall, I think the defensive line, as I've mentioned before and harped on it, I thought they played a major role in everyone else being able to stop uh, the run. But overall, uh, no runs really got anywhere. I think uh, Carroll maybe had one for eight or nine, and that was it. Like, that was anything that got past five yards. So uh, Amos did well playing in the box, and specifically one that uh, a play that stood out to me was when uh, Cannon uh, came out on a wheel route, yes. and Amos was covering him. I was like, "It's not Leonard Floyd!" Ah! <laughs> yeah, I had that noted too. I had that. I was like, "Great man coverage by dot dot dot." 
Adrian yeah. Amos, because in the past against the Patriots, especially last week, that's the play where you see an outside linebacker pick up the back and, hey, look at that. Vic Fangio made an adjustment. He put his strong safety on the running back on that wheel route, and it worked. But uh, getting back to the rest of the secondary, uh, what's your thoughts about the looking at we'll, – we'll get the Jackson's penalty in a minute. I really don't want to harp on it too much because at the end of the day, it wasn't too much of a backbreaker. It's still kind of a dumb penalty. But looking at guys like Kyle Fuller, Prince Mukamara, and we talked about Bryce Callahan in depth. But if you have anything else you want to mention about him, feel free. Uh, but I thought overall they played really well. Um, my notes here are pretty quiet for both of those outside corners. And Mukamara had a really nice uh, tackle and a pass breakup as well, I think. But other than that, uh, Kyle Fuller, I have the dropped interception uh, or the one that went right through his fingers. I don't even know if it counts as a drop, more like a, you know, like a sift through. But <laughs> let's go to Nick first. And looking at Kyle Fuller, Prince Mukamara, and if you, again, if you want to bring up Callahan again, you, mu- you can. Uh, what's your takeaways from these corners? I thought they played a really good game, honestly. Um, and I know Kyle Fuller did miss that that interception there, but uh, there was one play where w- the receiver, I think the ball just gets dislodged, and then Kyle Fuller comes up with a hit. I think it was on curse, and he's like injured. He's injured for a little bit. It's that physical mentality that I love from Kyle Fuller, just laying down the hit, able to come up and run support. And also, you know, obviously it's been apparent that I wasn't the biggest fan of Prince of Mukamura, but he's, you know, put together some pretty pretty good games this season and having gone through some injuries another good game today but it definitely helps not having to face the, the talent that the bears secondaries had to face in you know previous games but yeah whenever the corners there's it's it's quiet there's not a lot of big plays that you remember that's usually a good thing mm-hmm. and you know mukamara he needs uh to start picking up the pace if he wants to reach that 10 interception uh this number that true. he set out yeah. for himself but uh what about you well any final thoughts about the secondary Tackling was much improved today. Uh, not yeah. a lot of balls got completed, but when they did, they uh, stopped him for the eight or nine yard gain that they caught it at, and they lined up and they played another down of football, which, you know, obviously for the Jets, uh, Tony Romo, I thought was a bit brutal in saying everything just looks harder for them. Uh, but, <laughs> you know, to an extent, you know, it's hard to move the ball in the NFL. If you make them line up and take more snaps, it's it's harder to move down the field. Make the tackle at the catch and line up and play another down of football, which is exactly what the Bears did today. Uh, which is how teams like the Jets will beat you is if you let a routine, you know, seven yard hitch, 10 yard slant go for 60 or 70 and a touchdown. Now you're talking about a whole different ball game. So uh, much more refined tackling today. And uh, that was great to see, especially after the last two weeks. And well, that's a really good point that you mentioned that because the Jets coming into this game are actually one of the better teams in, you know, producing yak. So great that the Bears defense was able to rebound and actually make those wrap up tackles. Yeah, and my last point here is, you know, he held him to 10, only like 3.8 yards per play for the entire defense. And when you're looking at what the Jets were able to do, say, over their last three weeks, they scored 34 against the Broncos. They scored 42 against the Colts, and they only had 17 against the Vikings. And here the Bears are holding them down all the way to 10, which I know they had a few more injuries this week compared to some weeks past, but still – this is an offense that has proven to be able to put up some points. I mean, they put 40 up against 48 up against the Lions as well. So, again, this offense proved they can score, but the Bears found a way without even a ton of pass rush to get it done uh, consistently all game long besides one drive. And that's it. And that's honestly that drive comes back to Eddie Jackson's penalty, which extended it. And, of course, uh, Kyle Fuller not coming away with that interception. So two bad plays, um, not really – as much as them beating us, more like the Bears beating themselves on that drive as well. Um, any final thoughts about this defense as a whole, guys, before we kind of wrap up this show? Let's go to let's go to Spider-Man. Yes, yeah, so 
for this defense to you know take that next step and go back to its old ways, they need to find ways to get their pass rush back. This is a game still that they didn't have. I know they didn't have a Cleo Mack there, but still, you got to find ways to get these guys in better positions. You can't bring Bryce Callahan every single time to generate some kind of pass rush. I know it was successful in this game, but you want to be able to get it with you know your outside linebackers whether it's running stunts or whatever it may be, the Bears still need to improve in that aspect. And I still want to see more from Leonard Floyd moving forward because he still hasn't shown much. So the Bears still, uh, I mean, this this is going to be the the common theme. They got to find their pass rush. Once they do that, this defense will go back to the way it was playing the first four weeks of the season. Yeah, and you know, in Vic Faggio's system, uh, pass rush is a big component of it. It's kind of how it fuels the entirety of what he how he tries to beat you know opposing offenses. But yeah, I definitely agree that uh, even though it was good enough today, it might be good enough next week against the Bills, but then you start bringing the Lions and the Vikings in. The Bears are going to have to do a little bit more to slow down those kind of offenses. But, Will, over to you. When you look at what the Bears' defense was able to do today, we kind of broke it all down, but if you had to summarize it all up, what's your biggest takeaways? Uh, they won the trenches. Uh, if Brandon's not here, I guess I better say it for him. So, uh, you know, they won in the trenches, and when you do that, uh, life just becomes a little bit easier, and they just kind of snowballed that from there. One other thing I'd like to add in, I didn't get to mention, I was impressed with Isaiah Irving today. Uh, I thought he brought a lot of juice. Uh, I thought he brought a lot of juice, uh, whether that was setting the edge or whether that was rushing the passer. I saw a lot of effort out of him today. Uh, there were a few snaps where Leonard Floyd was rushing the passer, and it just kind of looked like once uh, the offensive lineman got his hands on Floyd, it was like, yeah, snap's over. It's just like, no, you've got to be kidding me. Like, that sometimes, especially a guy like Darnold's going to be holding the ball longer. Like, you have a chance. you got to keep going. And a lot of times he would just stay in hand fight with the guy. It's like, no, you, I mean, as a rusher, you are so much more effective. A guy like Leonard Floyd, who has so much speed and knows how to bend, like get outside of him. Stop, stop playing in the framework. You're not going to win there. You're not going to bull rush the guy. So I, I thought at least with Isaiah Irving, he was fighting his tail off to try to at least get around the guy. Uh, obviously only one sack on the day, but I thought he fought really hard today. Would like to see him get a few more snaps going forward. Yeah, I guess my last thought isn't really defensive-specific, but more game-specific when there was not a single turnover in this game by any team, and both of these defense were in the top three in the NFL of generating takeaways. So it's a little surprising that we didn't have one, and one of my keys of the game was that the Bears had to win it. Well, when neither team does it, that's nullified, and I mean, that worked out in our favor as well, but I'm just surprised, especially with the elements, with the wind, and I mean, Tariq Cohen tried to give him one special teams near the end, but... Overall, the no turnovers is a little bit of a surprise for me. But uh, all right, it's time to head into our fourth and final quarter. And let's go ahead and begin with uh, a quick hit on special teams. And Nick, if you want to go ahead and just rip off the Cody Parkey band-aid, you can. Oh, my goodness. What is going on there? That, that what was it, a 40-yard field goal attempt, I believe? 40, yeah. It was wide right. It wasn't even close. I've never kicked a field goal in my life playing high school football, but I bet you it could have. Well, probably not. But honestly, it wasn't even close. And that's concerning moving forward. For the Bears, it's um, it's whether or not I think it's situations come down the road where it's a fourth down situation or they give Cody Parkey a, cha- a chance. We've seen Matt Nagy already just go for it on fourth down because I don't know if you can trust your field goal kicker at times. He's been inconsistent the past couple of weeks now, and you need to have some kind of confidence in him because he's going to be up to the task. So he's going to want to kick again. So it, it's concerning for me because that wasn't even close and it shouldn't have been that tough of a field goal, honestly. No, and it's hard to the tell wind, via the broadcast. The was, yeah, the wind could have affected it, but again, 
It's, it's, it's Chicago. He was brought here for a reason, getting paid the money that he's, uh, what, a guaranteed $9 million, whatever it may be. He's going to have to make those kicks. It's a lot of money for a kicker who's uh, missed a handful of kicks so far this season. And again, um, I was in attendance. I couldn't tell you exactly how the wind was swirling at that exact moment when the ball left his foot. But uh, I know that later on in that game, the Jets made a 42-yard field goal from the same exact direction. So it and again, I can't really determine if it was different at one point or another, but it's still, it's it's tough to watch. It's tough to see. And honestly, and again, this is something else that's hard to tell when you're just watching a broadcast, but he doesn't look confident out there. He doesn't look like, you know, he's not out there with, you know, puffing his chest out, which I don't want him to do that either, but he just comes out there and he just looks like lost or unfocused and just kind of like shy. And it's, it's not what you want to see. And hopefully he can kick a few uh, in a row, build some confidence because like you said, it's it's hard to gauge exactly where Nagy's confidence is in him uh, with he's going for it on fourth down on you know the plus side of the fifty. Um, but even the kicker, uh, you have to wonder where his confidence is right now as well. Um, and Will, over to you. I have a different question, and it's going to be about Benny Cunningham. Is it time to look elsewhere for a kick returner because he's taking a few out and he's slow and he's not doing a lot with it, and we're not we're starting on uh, you know wrong side of the twenty five. Uh, what's your take there? I think specifically the the one that you're thinking of where he had that really slow approach, the blocking was absolutely atrocious on that sure. one. So uh, Cunningham, I understand why that one went the way it did. Uh, at this point, I'm almost kind of resigned to the fact of let it bounce in the end zone. Like, start of the 25, make sure we don't have any, you know, holding penalties at this point or don't get tackled, you know, at the 15 and have a start behind the sticks uh, or at least in a negative field position. So that, yeah, I, I'm disappointed in what Benny Cunningham's done to this point as a returner. That's That goes without saying, is it time to try someone new? I'm not sure if someone else is going to give you a better result. You know, I'm almost just willing to be resigned to taking the ball at the 25 at this point. Mm-hmm. It's interesting how it's getting phased out of the game, guys. It's uh, it's happening quick. But um, all right, so with that being special teams, it's time to go ahead and break out those red pens, and I don't know if Spidey has one today, but... Will, I'm going to go to you first. What grade would you give the Bears for what you saw today? Um, B minus. This is a team that I thought they should have uh, had their way with a little bit more. Uh, We saw a lot more promising things in the second half, especially from an offensive standpoint. But there comes a point where you really want to see some consistency out of Mitchell Trubisky. And uh, it's a little disheartening to me that we didn't get that from start to finish. I thought this was a team that he could really do that against. Uh, Though the Jets are injured on defense, I think they're still underrated. They're a team that's really well coached. You know, there's a lot of talk about Todd Bowles, uh, and, and you know, he gets that respect for a reason. He has his guys ready to go. But either way, I thought this was a game where Trubisky could get into a rhythm, and uh, he proceeds to, like, have seven straight incompletions or something along those lines. So that's why it's not in closer to the A range. But at the end of the day, this is a team victory. The defense played their tails off and, like I mentioned, kept giving the offense's chances to, to succeed. And at the end of the day, they did take advantage of enough of those to win the game. So B minus, it's a victory. I'm happy about it at the end of the day. Still a lot of things to clean up. All right. We have one B minus. Nick, what about you? Yeah, so I think I have a red pen here. I just can't actually see through this mask. But uh, so if I were to grade this game, I'm going to have to go I agree with Will there. B minus is about right. Again, the offense had a slow start to the game. Uh, Mitch Trubisky looked a little off. The play calling was a little off. But then you see that second half adjustment. The offense is clicking. Defense is still doing what it did in the first half. And again, the Bears won this game. It definitely there's aspects uh, that can be improved upon. And I think the bears will 
find a way to fix those things, especially just starting off better, making sure Mitch Trubisky has mechanics down, and then continuing. We saw the offense, the specifically the running game, get going in this game, which is great to see. So a B- is about where I'd have it because of all the injuries for the Jets. I knew – I said in the preview show that it would be a close game, but this is a game where if the Bears do everything right, this could have easily gone out of, out of hand early on. Yeah. I mean – it's the NFL, and it's hard to put away every opponent, you know, so quickly. So for me, I'm giving this a B because, um, like you said, there there were some issues in the first half, but I really liked what I saw in the second hand half in terms of cleaning it up, uh, finding ways to put more points on the board. And the reason why I'm going to give this a B, despite not a lot of pass rush, uh, the Bears perhaps leaving some more points up on the table. I don't know. I just never felt like the Bears were going to lose this game. There wasn't sure. a moment where I was like, "Oh, here we go again." Like throughout the entirety of this game, even when uh, it was a seven, what a four, seven, seventeen three. to ten. I had oh, seventeen, yeah. yeah, seven to three in the first half, but in the second half, even when it was seventeen to ten, it felt like the lead was much larger than that because of how well the Bears' defense was playing. And even though the Bears' offense was punting, they're still moving the ball a little bit. They weren't going three and out, three and out, three and out. Um, so I don't think they ever seized full momentum um, in terms of. Well, I guess I should say conceded full momentum over to the Jets. So for me, I'll give it a B. Uh, in the NFL, every week's, you know, it's a difficult one. All 32 teams are, you know, very close to one another. Uh, there's a small dis- uh, talent gap between a, you know, 6-0 team and like a 3-3 three and three team. And today I thought the Bears were, of course, the better team heading in. And I think at the end of the day, 24-10, to 10, uh, when we look back at the season, it's going to feel like a very just victory at that. So for me, that's why I'm going to give it a B. And looking at uh, Twitter as well, I believe it was a vast majority of Bears fans gave this one a B. Yeah, out of over 600 votes so far, uh, 71% of fans gave this one a B. 22% gave it a C. And we have 7% and said, hey, it's an A. But 0% gave it a D, which I'll take. All right, guys, it's time for our two-minute warning. This is where we wrap up our thoughts on the game and put things in perspective moving forward. And Mr. Ingles, you are going to have the honor of starting first. An honor indeed. Uh, Bears get a needed win. This puts them back on track, four and three. They are officially uh, third in the division with uh, obviously pending results from the Vikings and Packers as we continue on. But with Detroit losing, Bears are no longer at the bottom of the division. Another winnable game coming up. So it's uh, it's kind of go time at this point. Uh, it's it's not technically the second half of the season quite yet as far as uh, you know games played is concerned, but it's time to go down the stretch and start stringing some together if you want to, you know, really be a playoff team. You know, I know Tony Romo endorsed them, but there's a lot of games to go and there's going to be a lot of difficult division matchups. Uh, regardless of talent, you know, division's always going to be tough. So I'll be very interested to see how the Bears do at that point. But of course, got to take business at Buffalo. You're going on the road and it's going to be important. Josh Allen's a guy I definitely want to get a pass rush on because he's, you know, inaccuracies aside, he's still got a big arm and he can torch you if you let him sit back there. One last little thing, uh, Patrick Finley on Twitter uh, said that Kyle Long was on crutches in the locker room. So something to keep track of moving forward. But, you know, this is this is a positive step forward for the Bears as the season continues. And uh, we're on to Buffalo. Yeah. After that bye week, you know, kind of, you know, lull, two losses straight off of it. I mean, October was not kind. We had a bye week followed by two losses. But this is a great way to end the month heading into November, the last two months Mm -hmm. of the regular season. But I'm getting ahead of myself. Let's go to Nick first. What's your two-minute warning? And what I called a must-win game for the Bears, the Bears did just that, getting this win. And like Will said, putting them on track to be, if they want to, if they can, in a playoff hunt, in which I think this team is good enough, has the talent to do. 
So obviously we have they have Buffalo next week. And then it's a bunch of division games. Five division games left. Obviously, those are going to be tough games throughout. Um, they're gonna be close. And the Bears just proved that this is a team where despite them having some hiccups in the beginning, they can rebound. They're gonna be close in every game moving forward. And this is one that they had to win. Now they just gotta string back some victories. They like you said, Will, they had a tough October. Their defense kind of fell apart. Things offensively didn't click. But let's see if this is the first game to start another streak of victories for the Bears because that's what they're going to need if they want to play in the playoffs. Yeah, and every game between now and the Rams is winnable. Not saying they will win every single one of those games, but they're winnable. And this is, those are all teams that the Bears can, and hopefully most of them they should beat. Um, so real quickly, to start things on a positive note, uh, fun fact, I don't know if you guys can do math like I can. Apparently I'm on a math track today, but... Uh, four wins so far this year. We had five off last year. That means we're at 80% of our win total already from last year, which, I mean, that feels great to think about it because even though when you go through, you know, the grind of the season um, and things hurt, especially from the Dolphins to New England, I mean, you get a little down. But then when you take a step back and you look at the thing as a whole and realize that we're starting November with already 80% of our win total for the entire 2017 season and already a more wins than the entire 2016 season, it really gives you a perspective on how much the Bears teams has improved and how much more fun football is on Sundays for us as Bears fans. But getting back to this season and what we're looking at here, what I liked from this game was that the Bears found that killer instinct that they've been talking about because against Miami, they didn't have it. Against New England, uh, they played a little bit from behind, but still, it's something they didn't have. But today, they did it because it was 17-10 to 10 here as the game was winding on, but the Bears responded with the touchdown. The defense responded with uh, forcing the Jets to punt after four plays as well, and that was the end of the game. So for me, the Bears found a way to end it, uh, that killer instinct, whether it be leaning on Jordan Howard, finding a way to pick up those crucial third downs with the games on the line. The Bears found a way to make sure they didn't give the Jets an actual chance to, find, to come away uh, and steal this victory. So for me, finding that killer instinct uh, now is going to be crucial. So hopefully it kind of continues against Buffalo, uh, Detroit, and then we'll see how that rest of the divisional kind of trio of games kind of pan out. So for me, discovering that inner, that killer instinct, uh, even though it wasn't pretty and even though it still wasn't near perfect, uh, the potential's there, and I'm excited to see how it all comes together as we move forward throughout this season. But that's going to be all for my two-minute warning. And that's going to do it for this episode of the Bears Brothers Podcast. I want to thank you all who were here watching live on YouTube. I know there's plenty more football on there on your screens, and you chose to be here talking about this Bears victory. So that really means a lot to all of us. And, of course, to the thousands of people who either watch this video on YouTube later or, of course, on our podcast around the entire world. We just appreciate you very much. And if you appreciate us as much as we appreciate you, and if you haven't yet, maybe leave us a review on iTunes and Apple Podcasts to show your support of our show. Uh, we'll be back here in a couple days to begin our Week 9 Buffalo Bills preview. But until then, have a great victory Monday. And, of course, bear down, Chicago. Finally, a bed that senses snoring and automatically responds. Meet the Ergo Smart Base from Tempur-Pedic, our first system that detects snoring, then automatically adjusts by raising the bed. Get your best sleep all night, every night.
For a limited time, save up to $500 on select adjustable mattress sets and experience the deep, undisturbed sleep of Tempur-Pedic. Get full offer details at TempurPedic.com. 